Welcome to the Waves Podcast. Our services are held on the first Friday of every month at New Beginnings Church in Bedford, Texas. We hope today's message grows you, challenges you, and inspires you to be all that God has called you to be. Enjoy. What's up, everybody? How y'all feeling? Feeling all right? We're going to talk about some things tonight. I'm going to teach a few things. I'm going to share a little bit. And uh, I believe God's going to do some amazing things in your life tonight. I haven't been here for over a year, actually, because uh, my, my son, for those of you who don't know, I'm, I'm sure most of you know, but my son, uh, his name is Lion. That's his real name. He was, he's, a, a, he's about a year and a half now, but at seven months old, he was diagnosed with leukemia. Can you believe that? And we were completely shocked by this. And, you know, you, you never expect to be in a hospital room and have a doctor walk in after three weeks of every test that you could possibly imagine. And he says, well, unfortunately, it's leukemia. And I'm going to tell you the truth. We weren't expecting that at all. In fact, we were, you know, floating around a hospital for three weeks and we ended up being on the leukemia floor But we didn't even know that's where we were because we didn't know anything about children's leukemia. And when that doctor walked in and he told us that, it was the last thing on our mind. And we were so so surprised by it. But I'm telling you what, God wasn't surprised by it. God knew. And so at that moment, we kind of stepped into a trial that we were were unexpecting. But I'm going to tell you what, because we've served God for so many years, We were prepared for it. And what the enemy meant to destroy us has only launched us into a greater anointing. Amen? Leukemia in children is is seen. You hear about it. And this isn't this tonight's not going to be very much honestly about lying. It's we're going to talk about trials tonight, but I want to set a little bit of a tone. Leukemia in, in children is seen. How many know somebody who's ever had leukemia before or cancer? Yeah, you see it in children, you see it in adults, but leukemia in infants is actually incredibly rare. In fact, there's only 150 cases of infant leukemia diagnosed per year in the entire United States. The chance of having leukemia as an infant, they consider an infant under one year old, is, is, is so rare to give you a little bit of context Over 500 people a year are struck by lightning. So five times greater chance of getting struck by lightning than getting leukemia when you're a little kid. And because of that, it made treatment really difficult for Lion because we were called, not us, but our doctors were calling around to all the best hospitals in the entire country and nobody had a case of a child going back 15, 20, 25 years in all their research of anybody with a child as young as Lion with leukemia. So we didn't know exactly what to do. It's called a trial. And that's when you have to really put your trust in the Lord. You really have got to put your trust in the Lord. But praise God, we serve a Lord who's not taken by surprise by these things, and he's got an answer. Amen? So tonight we're going to talk about trials. And there's many kinds of trials, right? So for me and my family, we went through a trial of health. But you might be going through or have gone through or know somebody who's gone through a different type of trial in their lives or in your life. 
And so I want to see through the lens of what I've learned through the trial we went through with Lion tonight, but I want you to apply the principles of a trial so severe that a child's life was at stake and be able to apply those principles that led us to victory in whatever trial you might be facing tonight, whatever you've gone through or someone you know might be going through. These are things that the Lord has shown me, but there's many kinds of trials, right? There's sickness. Some of us have dealt with health issues in our life. It's not easy to go through health issues, but there's other types. Some people go through severe depression. It seems like in our day and age, there's more people going through depression these days. And I don't know what that's about. All I know is that it's an attack of the enemy. But some people go through depression. Some people go through severe anxiety. And if you don't suffer with anxiety, it seems like it's a small thing. But some people have anxiety so bad that they can't even walk into a classroom. They're just desperate for the teacher not to call on them. Or they don't want to step out into what God has called them to do because they suffer with anxiety. It can be debilitating. And the thing about trials is that they're relative. Yes, my trial was extreme, but your trial might feel extreme to you. And God cares equally about your trial as he cared about my trial. And his answers work just as much for my trial. I'm telling you, if he can do it for my son, if he can, when doctors didn't know what to do, they didn't know what kind of a plan to put him on. I promise you, he can help you through your trial. My brother-in-law, Brandon, talked about it on Sunday, how he dealt with an almost debilitating um, OCD, obsessive compulsive disorder. And I walked through that with him. And my family walked through that with him. And some of our church walked through that with him. These are trials that people go through. There's many kinds. Some people go through the trial of poverty. Let's talk about the world. We're blessed here in America. Some of the, 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 the most poor of us in America are rich compared to the rest of the world. But yet you still pe- see people in their poverty, in their strickenness, reaching out to God, and you see God be faithful to them. But that's relative, isn't it? Because we can't relate to that, that level of poverty. But maybe you're in a situation of poverty here tonight. Maybe you're going, yeah, but I can't relate to someone who has no home, but I can't pay my bills. And to you, that seems like the biggest trial that you've ever faced in your life. God cares about that trial too. God cares about it all. And poverty is not of God. And God cares that you feel like you don't have enough. And he's got an answer for it. Some people go through a trial of wealth. Some people are like, I don't mind that trial. (laughs) But I'm going to tell you what, be careful what you ask for. Because I know people who start to compromise for money. Compromise the position of leadership that God has called them to. And start to put business over God. Start to put business over the fellowship of of, of fellowshipping with their brethren. Listen, there's kings and priests in the world, but we're all supposed to be together. Iron sharpeneth iron. And we're not supposed to ever go out and just pursue business at the sake of being growing and growing and, and, and functioning in leadership inside of the church. Riches and wealth can be a trial too. There's a temptation there for you to compromise. Some of you are still like, it's cool. I'll pass. I'll pass the test. And I believe and hope that you would. But here's the truth. Some people don't. 
Talking to you, Pastor Jordy, with all your houses. Just kidding. <laughs> totally joking. Jordy's like the most loyal guy I know. But, that's right. But real talk. When God starts to bless you, do not forget where the blessing comes from. Oh, man, I'm telling you. You don't want a reminder. Because the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. He wants to bless you, but I've seen it over and over. I've been a Christian for 150 years. <laughs> Do not start missing church because of the blessing in your life. Is that good? I'm saying this out of love, but I'm going to move on. Dating is a trial for some people. Some people have the trial of temptation the brothers said amen. <laughs> I'm sure the girls said amen too. I just don't know. I've, I've never been a girl. But dating can be a trial that we all go through, man. And it can be hard to resist that temptation, especially in this day and age, especially with everything that's on the television and what's promoted as normal these days. Listen, God's not against sex. He's not against money. He's not against fame. He's not against any of those things. But if any of those things become the God in your life, it leads to destruction. God wants to give you these things, but never forget who the source, never forget who the source is in your life. Never forget that you've been set apart, that you're called for a purpose. That you're called to be in the world, but not of the world. And I'm going to talk tonight about that delicate line about being in the world, but not taking on the identity of the world. It's very, very interesting. It's like, it's like special ops for Christians. It's like the Navy SEALs for Christians. God's called you to be in these environments. God wants you to be the most influential in secular environments. But he also wants you to hold on to your moral compass. And he'll give you strategies of how to be cool with people and relate to people. It's very interesting, isn't it, right now? And I, I have to be careful because, because this stuff goes on YouTube. But <sighs> there's, a lot of, there's a lot of the world mixing with Christianity right now. Y'all see it. And that's a good thing. I am for it. But I want to see fruit. I want to see fruit. And also, this stage is a holy place. And it's an honor to come up on this stage. So we have to protect this. And we need to be wise and reach out our hand to the world and say, dude, I accept you as you are, just like Christ accepted me. But at the same time, the Bible says, repent and go and sin no more. And there's a time period for, for an individual to, to grow and to mature and to make stakes, mistakes. And we're never all going to, we're not going to be perfect and, and we're going to get there eventually. But it shouldn't take our whole life to mature up. You see what I'm saying? So. I'm going to talk a little bit about that tonight, that, that rubbing shoulders and being in the world. For too long, the church was separated from the world and we lost all our influence. Yes, and because of it, Chris Tomlin has been covered 6,000 times on Christian radio. Write a new song, somebody. 
Somebody write a new song. The standard of Christian music should not be, and I'm not, I got all friends in, in the industry. Cool, cover songs. But man, we should be leading the way. That's why I love our worship team. And I, I repent, Lord, for getting in my flesh there. My flesh is bothered. My flesh is bothered when we, we just kind of settle into the status quo. I, I don't mean to get into my flesh, but, but my flesh is bothered by that. As Christians, we need to be setting the tone for fashion. Setting the tone for film, setting the tone for music, setting the tone for athletics, setting the tone for everything that the Lord has given us. And we need to be able to walk in the world and, and, and mingle with the world. I, I, actually, I actually feel like that's something that God has called me to do is to be a part of these people's lives. But we need to make sure that we're influencing them. And that we're, we're honest with them about what repentance and a, and a changed heart actually looks like. <sighs> you guys, why did you make me say all that? <laughs> dating. Some people deal with the trial of dating and not being able to find a Christian boyfriend or a Christian girlfriend. It's a trial. And all the single folks said amen. amen. <laughs> Reluctantly. And at the same time, looking around to see who else was single. <laughs> it's a trial. Marriage can be a trial. <laughs> Husband's like, no, it ain't. Marriage can be a trial. You know, if you're if you're unequally yoked, potentially, it can be a trial. But you know what? God can heal all of that. He will help you walk through those trials. He cares about that. Some of us have been through divorces. Divorces can be heartbreaking. I was thinking about that last night. That, you know, divorce is, for a long time in church, because it's in the Bible, um, because divorce is addressed in the Bible, pastors like to pick on divorce. That's not right. Divorce is no more of a, of a, of a, a, a stumbling block in your life than any other thing. But I was thinking about how difficult it can be. Like, you know, my son is going through times and it's taken Jen and I both a hundred percent of our focus on lying to get through this. And I just thought, could, I couldn't imagine if Jen was having to go through all this by herself, if I had pieced out or, or if she had pieced out for, for one of us to have to take on that. That's why God doesn't want divorce, but you know what? Divorce happens and it's a trial, but God's got a blessing on the other side of it. He's got a blessing on the other side of that family. Sometimes family is the biggest headache. Some of you know what I'm talking about. Katie, be quiet. <laughs> Family can be tough, man. It can be a trial. Man, some of my best friends have had some of the worst family situations. And it's a trial for them. But you know what? Every one of those trials, it comes from the devil. Every one of those hiccups in the flow of blessing into your life. It's a learning experience and it's an opportunity for us to, to fix things. 
and the, those, those trials that the enemy brings upon us, we have to remember that the purpose of those trials is to, to get us to forget who we are. You ever have one of those seasons where you kind of forgot who you were? And what was the culprit? A trial. Because trials create confusion in our lives. And the Bible says that the devil is the author of confusion. It's maybe one of his main strategies is to get you confused about things. I'm going to tell you, when my son got sick, it was confusing to my theology. It was confusing. I'm a pastor. It was confusing. What is this? This doesn't line up with who I believe God to be. This doesn't line up with who I tell people God is. What am I supposed to say about this? There's a confusion that the devil brings and he wants you to forget who you are because if he can forget you to forget who you are, he'll get you to forget where you're going. And that's what he wants to do to every one of you. He wants you to forget where you're going. He wants to destroy your destiny through a trial, through a temporary thing. He wants to destroy it through all of these things, through the sickness or the depression or the anxiety or the poverty or the wealth or the marriage or the datings or the divorces. He wants you to forget who you are because he does not want you to get where you're supposed to be. But I'm here to tell you tonight that the devil is a liar. He's a liar. The things that he's done to you are lies. I don't deny that my son got cancer. But I do deny that the devil has any power over my son. And I'm here to declare tonight that the devil is a liar and he can't have my son's destiny. And you need to declare in your heart right now, no matter what trial you're facing, the devil doesn't get my destiny. He doesn't get my future. It doesn't matter if you've made mistakes. We all make mistakes. To be human is to make mistakes. That's why we needed a savior. And thank God we can count on a savior. Jesus did this on the cross already, so we don't have to be blessed according to our works. We're forgiven for the mistakes we made. Do they have consequences on this earth? Yes, to a degree they do. But when we set our eyes on Jesus and say, God, help me with this, Jesus will fix those things. And when the devil tries to say, no, 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 no. I've got authority. I've got dominion. You say, no, devil, you're a liar. And you don't get to steal my authority. You don't get to steal my dominion. You don't get to steal my destiny. A year ago, I was on this stage and we had, a, we, had a, we had something that we were seeking to do through waves. And all of a sudden, the devil came in out of nowhere and hit us and there was nothing I could do. My wife and I spent over five months of the last year living full time in a cancer ward for infants. I've seen things that you don't ever want to see but I still know that the devil is a liar. He's a liar and he doesn't get my destiny. He doesn't get my joy. He doesn't get my life, my happiness, my home, my family, my marriage. He doesn't get these things. 
And I make a declaration tonight that everything that the devil tried to steal from my life, that he tried to steal from our church, and that he's tried to steal from your life in whatever trial you've faced over the last year or at any point in your life that still may have residual impact in you. It may have been losing your mother 10 years ago. Tonight, we take it all back. Tonight, we take it back. And some of you didn't get it because you, you know what's happened? You've grown accustomed. You've grown numb to the missing. That missing aspect of God in your life. You don't have that same fire and you've gotten used to it. Tonight, we throw off that garment. Tonight, we step back into who God called us to be before the pain changed us. Tonight we step back. Tonight we take it all back. We take back by the authority and the dominion of Christ who God called us to be as a people, who he called us to be as couples, who he called us to be as parents, as spouses, as children of God, as leaders, as businessmen, as businesswomen. Whatever he's taken through whatever trial, tonight we take it back. We take it back in the name of Jesus. And with that and with that authority and by his name, we take it back. We declare that we're not afraid. We declare that we stand together in this. We declare that we trust God. We declare that the devil is defeated and that he has to pay back. I expect that the devil pay me back. I demand that the devil pay me back for every night that I didn't sleep while my son was in that hospital. Every night, every cent that I've spent on chemotherapy, every cent with interest multiplied. And I declare that same thing over you. Whatever the devil paid back, I mean, whatever the devil stole, he has to pay back in your life. And if it seems like something that can't be paid back because that door is closed, then other doors have to open to be even better. And that's what you trust in God. It doesn't seem in the natural like I can like I can be repaid. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. I didn't think that I could ever gain understanding about how God could allow something like this to happen to me. I did not think I could gain understanding. I thought this is going to be a mystery the rest of my life, but it wasn't. God has begun to show me things out of this. God can do the impossible in your life. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, I thank you for every single person in this room tonight. I want you to focus right now. Don't focus on anything else other than God in your mind. God, I want you to do something special in people's hearts tonight. I want you to do something that only you can do. Repair, Lord, whatever has been broken. God, show us some things tonight that can get us through any trial in life. We declare tonight, Lord, that the enemy must pay back everything. Thing he's stolen in Jesus mighty name and all God's people said amen. amen so tonight I want to give a message titled born through fire I've been through some fire y'all there are some things that God will do in your life that only come through fire I'm gonna give you an example of this 
How many of you guys like the UFC? Okay. Couple of you. When's our UFC fight? Okay, the 17th. And who's fighting at that fight? Anybody remember? Is that the Diaz fight? Diaz and Pettis. Where are we doing that at? Here. It's going to be lit. It's going to be a brutal battle to the death in the name of Jesus. But come check it out. You know, I used to not like Nate Diaz all that much because because I liked Conor McGregor. But then something changed in me, and I was like, I like that Nate Diaz. He's got an attitude to him. And sometimes when you're in a battle, you got to have an attitude. We're going to talk about that a little bit. But I love the UFC. I follow it. I know who the fighters are. I know who the good matchups are. I rent the pay-per-views. I pay for ESPN+. I know the backstories. I follow the UFC. But at the end of the day, as much as I follow it, for as many years as I've followed it, I don't know what it's like to spend six months in a training camp and to wake up the day of a fight and know that millions of people are going to watch a fight and step into an arena of 50,000 people and hear my theme song come on, which would probably be like Ice Ice Baby or something like that. (laughs) Kanye. And walk out into that arena and boom, the lights come on. There's 50,000 people. And walk down to that aisle and realize I forgot my mouthpiece and be like, I'll be right back. (laughs) And step into an octagon and go to battle for 25 minutes with one of the top fighters in the world. As much as I watch the UFC and throw punches while I'm watching the UFC on my big screen TV and kicks and scream, I don't know what that is like. And I would not be the person to coach someone at that level. But I do know what it's like to have the enemy attack my family at the highest of levels. When the enemy tries to steal your son's life, I know what that's like. And so I can coach you about some of those things. I can show you some of the things that I learned through that process. So tonight, I want to give you five keys to overcome every trial. And I'm, I'm happy to say that during the course of this process that I went through over the last year, my son was put on a two-year chemotherapy treatment plan. He takes chemotherapy every single day. He's had hundreds of, of procedures. He had stuff placed in his heart. And it's just, it's just been wild. It's been, it's been out-of-body experience, y'all. Um, and during that process, the Lord would speak things to me. And it was difficult, you guys. It was so difficult. I mean, it was so difficult. And I'm not really going to get into all of that tonight because I want to speak to all of us tonight. But one day, my book is going to come out that's going to help so many people. Because when you face a trial like your son's life being on the line, you can apply those principles of fighting and victory to pretty much everything else the enemy's going to throw at you. I'm not saying it's the worst thing in the world, but it was up there. 
and I learned some things. And God gave me 10 steps along the way, things that he showed me that helped us to get through this thing. And that's what my book is going to be about. And tonight I'm going to share with you a few of those steps and then some other steps. But I want you guys just to know that God gets all the victory. And along the way, every day, God would speak something to me and I would just write it down. And, and after about six months, I was like, oh, this is a book. And this is going to be a slap in the face to the devil. And so many people who are going through a crisis are going to be able to look to this story and see these steps and go through it. And God's going to get all the glory. I'm so thankful for that. But tonight I want to give you a few keys, five keys to overcome every trial in your life. The first key is trust God. You got to trust God. I remember when that doctor walked into our hospital room and he said, unfortunately, it's leukemia. And it made no sense with my theology. It made no sense with what I believed. I couldn't make sense of it. But then I realized making sense of it was secondary in importance to trusting God. I didn't understand it. When you hit a crisis in your life like that, that makes absolutely no sense with with the foundation that you've built your entire life on. I was looking for understanding and I couldn't get it. And then I remembered My understanding is not what I'm supposed to lean on anyway. My trust in God is what I'm supposed to lean on. One of my favorite sayings is this, don't doubt in the dark what God told you in the light. Who did God tell you you were when your life was going good? Who did you believe you were when life was going your way? What did you believe about God? What were the promises that you stood on when things were okay? That's who you need to be in the darkness. Don't let the confusion of the darkness make you start to doubt who you are and who your God is. You have to trust in God. Number two, decide to fight. A lot of people, they don't fight. They go, you know what? I'm just going to go with the flow on this thing. I'm just going to do whatever the doctors say. And we need to do what the doctors say. I'm thankful for, for the doctors. But I was not believing that the statistics or my circumstance had the final word in my life. Because the statistics were flip a coin. Call it in the air. You have a better chance of calling that coin than my son had of being alive. Because he was given a 47% chance of living based on the statistics of infants. So guess what? I was not going to base my faith on any statistic. I wasn't going to base it on any circumstance. I was going to base it on my faith in who God was. And I made a decision to fight. Some people don't decide to fight. You got to decide. I'm not standing for this. I'm going to stand up to this. And I'm going to fight. How do we fight? We fight with the word of God. We fight by declaring the word of God. We fight with our worship. This is how I fight my battles. We'd be in that hospital room, man. And it was so weird because it was like we were in another world because we couldn't see anybody. We were in isolation and we just put on worship music and my son would be connected to all kinds of stuff. And we'd be like, this is how we fight our battles. And we'd meet God right there in that room. And we decided to fight. 
And we also decided to fight well. Some people will fight and they'll claim the scriptures and they'll pray, but they'll have a bad attitude or they'll allow the enemy to come in and create fighting amongst you and your spouse. It's very easy for that to happen in the midst of frustration. You might feel it when there's a, when there's a, uh, a financial stress on your life and all of a sudden you and your, you and your spouse are fighting or something like that. No, when the trial comes up, whatever it is, whether it's your, your spouse is dealing with anxiety or your spouse is dealing with depression or your family is dealing with poverty or, or it's a wealth thing where you're always away at work and your wife's, whatever the trial is, fight it well. Don't just fight it. Well, we're going to church, but we're mad at each other. No, fight it well. And to fight it well means to fight it with a, a smile on your face. And not a fake one, but a real one. And you don't allow the enemy to come into your life and you don't allow the enemy to cre create that strife because he's sneaky like that. And the other thing about fighting it well, fighting it with a smile on your face and saying, you know what? Yes, my son was diagnosed with cancer, but he's going to live, he's healed, and he's gonna thrive. Every time I post a positive post like that, how can I put this? Christianly, it was me rubbing it in the face of the enemy. And that's why I like Nate Diaz. Holla at me. Because he gets in there and he has an attitude with him. I'm not here to be friends. I'm here in this octagon to fight. And when you face a major trial in your life, get some attitude. Get some attitude. Fight it. Choose, you know what? No, 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 no. This ain't going down like this. I might not understand this, but I don't need to understand it. I'm going to stand on, on the word of God. I'm going to stand on the promises of God. I'm going to fight it, and I'm going to look good doing it. Someone holler at me right now. Amen? Number three, speak life. If you saw my post when I had to let the world know, Lion was such a... Uh, kind of an unexpected baby we were planning, but, but we never thought we would have kids. And when he came, he was just such a cool kid and everybody was involved. And so seven months after his birth, especially being a, a pastor, to have this happen, I'm like, well, what do I do now? How do I tell everybody this? Because I was upset because I knew this was gonna hurt our church. It, I, you know, it is gonna affect waves. It's gonna, it, I don't wanna tell anybody this, but I, I knew I had to, I knew I needed to. And so the day after I found out, I put the word out on Facebook to let everybody know. And I said, first and foremost, lion is healed, lion will live and lion will thrive. And that's how I posted every post about updates for him for over a year, because I wanted to create a precedence of speaking life over my trial. And that's what you do no matter what your situation is. You refuse to let the enemy allow you to speak anything negative. The Bible says it like this, put a guard. Lord, put a guard at my lips. Have you ever seen a guard guarding anything valuable that didn't have a weapon? No. So the guard at your lips literally has authority to slap you in your own mouth if you say something negative. And that's what you need because your words create. 
My whole circumstance, my whole life was flipped upside down. Upside down. So everything that I could see was terrible. So I created a new world to live in with my words. I couldn't go by my eyes anymore. I had to go by my words that were based on his word. And so you have to speak life into your trial because your words create. The fourth step is that you build an army. You don't want to fight this type of a battle alone. So that's when I said, I need y'all to pray for Lion. And I, and I started calling everybody Lion's Pride. And we had people all around the world praying for Lion. And that's the beauty of standing together is that not only do I receive the strength, not only does Lion and Jen receive the strength and my family receive the strength, but when the miracle comes, all those people are a part of the miracle and the world hears of the miracle. My son's story is miraculous. He lived. He's healed. And he's thriving. He's a giant. <laughs> he's big. He's in the 95th percentile for his weight. He's 76th percentile for his height. He takes chemotherapy every single day. Every single day we had to do hundreds and hundreds of things. And although we had to go through those battles, every single thing went our way. We had to go through it. We had to walk through it. It didn't disappear, but everything went our way. And that is to the glory of God. And by applying these principles to our lives and not allowing the circumstances and the statistics to dictate our faith, to dictate our attitudes, to dictate our what we believed was going to happen or how we treated each other. God is faithful. So when you're going through a trial, the enemy tries to separate you. And even before you're going through a trial, sometimes he tries to separate you. And then you find out, shoot, I'm separated and I'm going through a trial. And that's not a pretty place to be. The fifth step, and I'm going to close with this, is to remember who you are. Like I said in the beginning, when you're going through something crazy like this, it's survival. And that's why... I said this to, to the Sunday service a couple of weeks ago. You don't want to learn to fight when the bell rings. Are you taking a picture? <laughs> you don't want to learn to fight when the bell rings. You want to know how to fight when that bell rings. So you got to remember who you are. Remember the promises of God before the darkness and here's what's most important, even more important than remembering who you are, remember whose you are. And sometimes that's all I could remember because who I was disappeared. Everything I believed about everything did not line up anymore. And I just had to simply put my faith 100% in God. And I want to close with this story.
that, sh that uh, Shanti stole from me during worship, and it's about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. She was led of the Spirit. There was a king in the book of Daniel, and his name was King Nebuchadnezzar. And what happened was, was he overtook Jerusalem. Now, everybody listen to this, okay? He overtook Jerusalem. And what he decided to do, he was an idolatrous king. He worshiped false gods. He was not an Israelite. He had taken over the Israelites. Are you with me? He was an idolatrous king. He was self-serving and he wanted to build his kingdom. So he commanded his staff to go and gather up a bunch of young men. And he said, go and get the best looking, go and get the healthiest, go and get the wisest, go and get the smartest guys like JP. And he said, bring them to me and we're going to do a three year training program for them. And we're going to take care of them and we're going to train them. And then they're going to serve me, King Nebuchadnezzar, this idolatrous king. And amongst the men that are chosen are Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Now, here's what's interesting about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego is that that was not their names. They were Israelites. And the king says, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to feed you guys all the choice food. You're going to get all the best food. You're going to get the food that I eat. And you're going to be strong. And at the end of the three years, whoever rises up the most out of you is going to get promoted to great, great, great things under this idolatrous king. And part of the food that the king wanted to feed them was food that was forbidden to an Israelite. And so Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they say, no, I don't want your food. And it becomes an issue. And you may know the story. They do a test and they say, listen, we won't eat the food. Go away for a period of time. Come back and see if we don't look stronger than the rest. That was the first opportunity that they had to compromise to a trial. There was a trial in their life. Do you compromise who you're called to be in order to gain promotion in order, and also to just get better food? I like food. <laughs> Some of you are like, the food would have been enough. I don't need the promotion. I love food. I follow food on Instagram. But they said, no, we won't eat your food. And they didn't fall to that trial. But then another trial comes. You can play. And this trial was a little bit stronger. Have you ever noticed that the enemy increases his, 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 his tactics along the way? He kind of wants to see what's your compromising level? And the second trial to come to them is the king says, okay, well, you won't eat my food, but I'm going to change your names. Now, some of you don't realize, but the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego also includes the story of Daniel. Daniel in the lion's den. Daniel's name meant God is my judge. And Daniel's tied up in this. Your name is important, especially when it represents who you're in covenant with. 
especially to an Israelite and especially to you. The king says, I want to change your names. And this is what I'm talking about, about rubbing shoulders with the world. What's a compromise that's okay? What's a compromise that's not? Now, I don't know if they could have protested this or not, but Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they allowed the king to change their name. That's interesting. What did that mean for their story? What did that mean for their destiny? All I know is that when the enemy brings a trial into your life, it's not good to start compromising, especially when, you're, when it means compromising who you are and your name and whose name you represent. And then a third big trial comes, and, and this is so cool. This is so interesting. But King Nebuchadnezzar, he says, okay, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to create an image. And from now on, every time we blow these horns and we make this sound, everybody is going to bow down to this image. And what's interesting about this part of the story is that the Bible doesn't actually really say all that much about what the image is. But for me, that meant a lot because anything can be an image in our lives that we may or may not bow to. Sometimes these images represent a false authority in our lives. You better bow to me or else. There's a lot of that in the world. You better do this or I won't date you. You better do this or I won't marry you. You better do this or I won't promote you. You better do this or I won't support you. You better do this or you won't get this or you won't get that. An image. And these trials come to us in the forms of these images. And we have the opportunity to either bow to these or not. And it's pretty cool because although Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they'd been through some ups and some downs and they'd, you know, they denied taking the food, but they allowed their names to be changed. They go, you know what? At the end of the day, I'm not going to bow to this image. I'm not going to do it. And this is what happens in Daniel chapter three, verse 21. It says, so these men wearing their robes, trousers, turbans, and other clothes were bound and thrown into the burning furnace. The king's command was so urgent and the furnace so hot that the flames of the fire killed the soldiers who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I got to stop there. It's not a healthy life for someone who tries to destroy a child of God. It's not a healthy life. People who will try to lead you to your destruction, they're not your friends. And these three men, firmly tied, fell into the blazing furnace. Then King Nebuchadnezzar leaped to his feet in amazement and asked his advisors, weren't there three men that we tied up and threw into the fire? They replied, certainly, your majesty. He said, look, I see four men walking around in the fire, unbound and unharmed. The fourth looks like the son of God. 
Nebuchadnezzar then approached the opening of the blazing furnace and shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High, come out, come here. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out of the fire, and the satraps and the prefects and the governors and the royal advisors crowded around them. They saw that the fire had not harmed their bodies, nor was a hair on their head singed. Their robes were not scorched, and there was no smell of fire on them. When you go through a trial and you don't bow to the image of that trial, that image of fear, that, in, that image of intimidation, that image that tries to tempt you to compromise, you come out of that thing unsinged. You come out of that thing healed, living, and thriving. Where was I? Then Nebuchadnezzar said, Praise be to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and rescued his servants. They trusted in him and defied the king's command and were willing to give up their lives rather than serve or worship any god except their own. Therefore, I decree that the people of any nation or language who say anything against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be cut into pieces and their houses be turned into piles of rubble for no other God can save in this way. Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon, born through fire. Amen. Amen. Fire has the ability to destroy you or fire has the ability to birth you. The greatest miracles of your life are often just on the other side of fire. Do you receive that tonight? Would you give the Lord a clap offering of praise? And would you stand to your feet? Thank you for listening to today's message. Please do us a favor and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Also, we'd love if you'd follow us on social media at NB Waves. Thanks again for listening to the Waves podcast. Have a great day.